Thank you for listening to this teaching from Kingdom Discipleship. The Bible Book of Romans is considered by many as the greatest piece of literature ever penned in human history. Have you earnestly studied the Book of Romans? Let's open our Bible now to Romans chapter 1 and begin this incredible journey through the Bible Book of Romans. Well, good morning and welcome to another teaching and welcome to a new book of the Bible. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We just we just finished the discipleship uh, series. There were 20 teachings in the series and, uh, you know, we were just uh, we were just blessed. Um, it was it was a wonderful series. It was a uh, it's such a blessing. Uh, thank you again to, you know, just to everybody, you know, to Stephen, who does this uh you know, who's done this with me for now years. And, uh, you know, thank you for the elders that, that worked on it. And uh, particularly thank you for Nathan, just uh, my son-in-law who, who brought it up, who asked for it, and who has been uh, instrumental himself in working on these teachings in the background and, you know, entitling them and, uh, you know, putting in the chapters. I mean, I'm blessed. I, I have an incredible, incredible team led by Stephen when it comes to this. And, uh, you know, the people that work behind and do the editing and, uh, you know, get things ready for production or uh, things that I'm that I'm not by any means skilled in. And so, again, we're, we're a team at Kingdom Discipleship. We're we're a team in the in the word of God. We're a team in Christianity. We're a body of Christ and we we need one another. Um, and one part is not more important than the other. So thank you, Lord Jesus. Um, again, I was just it was a, it's a blessing the the series is uh you know there's still another four teachings that are you know that have got to be posted as of this recording as of this day as of this thursday morning um but after that um we're going to begin in the book of romans romans when you say the bible book of romans i mean it's uh there are no words for the weight, for the importance, for the gravity of the 16 chapters of this sixth book in the New Testament, Scott. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and then the Bible book of Romans comes into play. The weight of this book is incredible. There, there is no words for it. The things said of this book, it's been said that this is the greatest piece of writing, of literature ever penned in human history, ever, in any manner and in any way. Let that sink in. That the book of Romans is the greatest writing ever. So since people were putting words down on leather, on parchment, on paper, the 16 chapters of this book are the most profound and greatest writing ever in the history of mankind. Now step back, Junior, and let that sink in. Wow. Wow. And we are also going to try a, a new format. Okay, and so I was, uh, I had called Stephen first, since he's the one that does these things with me, and Stephen is a, uh, 
it's a relatively hard man, you know. Um, and so, you know, our content is not going to change, but we're going to do 30 minute teachings through this book. So if this book would normally be 50 teachings at 45 minutes, it'll be 75 teachings at 30 minutes because, you know, we're not going to sacrifice any content, um, but we're going to put it into, into 30 minute blocks. And I am going to try to actually stop right at 30 minutes so that, uh, you know, so that people can use it as a, you know, I say a 30 minute devotional. Um, my daughter, Kristen had mentioned something about it a while back. I spoke to my wife May about it and she thought it was a, the most wonderful ideas. And, and then I spoke to my son-in-law, Nathan, and, uh, you know, and he thought it is a good idea as well. Um, Stephen and I again discussed it at length. And so, you know, for those of you who are good with the 45, 50, 55 minute teachings, you can listen to two, right? Because two of them will be an hour. So we're going to uh, we're going to try that and just see, uh, you know, see how, you know, how how people enjoy the engagement more. And, and I get it. You know, it's we live in a time where we're busy and, uh, you know, sometimes to give 45, 50, 55 minutes or an hour, maybe it's nice just to get a, a 30 minute block. So if you all want to give feedback, you know, we uh, we always appreciate your feedback at uh, Kingdom Discipleship. So if you like the 30 minute format, then uh, you can let us know and that would be great. And if you don't like it, you can let us know and really anything else you want to say. Right. We're always uh, looking to 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 meet people where they are. We're not going to we're not going to compromise content. But if we can help people engage, I mean, uh, we want to do things better and better, you know, to meet people where they are. Paul in First Corinthians nine said, I became all things to all men so that by all possible means I might save some. Again, if you're watching on YouTube, you know, Stephen will have that scripture for you across the bottom. First uh, Corinthians nine, Paul said, I have become all things to all men, and he means all men and women, you know, so that he would he would lead them to Christ. So again, um, if we can if we can help y'all engage more, um, you know, and use the content more, we certainly want to do that, um, but not by any means compromising the content. So again, just to give some gravity to this letter, okay, look what Martin Luther, the great reformer, you've heard of the Lutheran Church that's named after him. Look what he said about this book of Romans. He said, this epistle, Romans, is really the chief part of the New Testament and is truly the purest gospel. It is worthy not only that every Christian should know it word for word, by heart, but also that he should occupy himself with it every day as the daily bread of the soul. We can never read it or ponder over it too much. For the more we deal with it, the more precious it becomes and the better it tastes. Wow. Martin Luther. All right. Look at John Calvin. John Calvin, again, a, a tremendous Christian theologian, said when anyone understands this epistle, Romans, he has a passage open to him to the understanding of the whole scripture. The better we understand this book of Romans, the better you understand the whole Bible, Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit, everything. Wow. J.I. Packer, again, another tremendous Christian theologian. He says, all roads in the Bible lead to Romans. 
and all views afforded by the Bible are seen most clearly from Romans. And when the message of Romans gets into a person's heart, there is no telling what may happen. Wow. Um, again, in, in preparing for this and studying for this, and again, it's such a privilege to do this because, you know, I'm, I'm always learning when you're studying to prepare to make these public teachings. I mean, we're teaching the word of God. It's something that that certainly I am not fit and capable of doing. Um, no one, no person is really, you know, uh, you know, properly capable of teaching the living word of God. But Jesus has had, has had mercy on us. He has called us to be preachers and teachers. And we are led by the spirit of God to teach and preach this word of God. Those of us who have been called as preachers and teachers. But, uh, you know, we can never do it good enough. This book, again, the, the holy grail, so to speak, you know, uh, it's been said that if you had to be stuck on a desert island and could have only one book of the 66 books in the Bible, most would say the book of Romans. Some have said if I had to only pick two books because, you know, it's hard to pick just one, they would take the Gospel of John and the book of Romans if they just had to have two books. We did 91 teachings through the Gospel of John. And again, I don't know how many teachings there'll be here. I know there'll be more because we're going to do 30-minute teachings. Um, so, and finally, you know, I was as I was studying and preparing, and I was actually going back and forth with my, uh, my cousin Jim Jr., who is a, an English professor. And, uh, you know, I came along to this man called Samuel Coolidge, who in my study um, was, a, was, was, an, was an incredible English poet, um, world known um, as an English poet, but known even better in, in, in words like genius were thrown around for him as, a, uh, as a, what's called a literary critic. And a literary critic is someone who, who evaluates literature, someone who understands the depth of any writing, someone who can explain a writing and someone who can evaluate a writing to, to understand, you know, whether it's good or bad and then can explain why. Samuel Coleridge, Coleridge was known as one of the greatest literary critics ever. When it comes to evaluating a piece of writing, you know, few in, in history, in world history could evaluate and get insights from a piece of writing and understand it and know whether it's good or bad or coherent better than he. He was a, he was a master at it. And this is what Samuel Coolidge said of the book of Romans. Samuel Coolidge, English poet and literary critic said, Paul's letter to the Romans is quote, the most profound work in history. So again, we want to let that sink in, Scott. Look, Corinne, don't let these words just go over your head, okay? So from the guy who understands literature better than anyone else, from the guy, Samuel Coolidge, who is a critic of literature, understands why literature is good or bad, is able to evaluate it, understands language, he said, Paul's letter to the Romans is, quote, 
the most profound work in existence. Again, May, right? The weight of that is is really overwhelming. So we're going to go through this book carefully. And by the mercy of our God, by the mercy of our Father, of Jesus Christ, our Lord, and of the Holy Spirit, you know, we can, uh, we're going to go through it. We're going to teach this word. We're going to learn together. Father, we thank you for the book of Romans. We thank you for your mercy, your favor, your goodness, and your grace on our lives. Father, we thank you for this incredible book of our Bible. We thank you for all the scriptures, Father, and we thank you that we're here in this Bible book of Romans. We thank you for the 16 chapters. We thank you for the incredible word that's given us here, Lord. Father, we do ask you to truly open our hearts more than ever, open our minds that we might receive what you have for us in this book. Father, as always, above all things, we thank you for Jesus, our only Lord and Savior and Master and King. Lord Jesus, we thank you for becoming a human man for us. We thank you for living a perfect, righteous life on our behalf that we could never live. We thank you for dying a torturous death on our behalf that we should have died. And we thank you that you are alive and risen today, Lord Jesus, and we worship you one and all. Holy Spirit, we do ask you to lead us now as we dive into this book of Romans. We ask you to give us eyes that see, ears that hear, hearts that understand. In Jesus' name and for Jesus' sake we pray. Amen and amen. Amen and amen. Okay, so as we already said, uh, the book is written by the Apostle Paul. It is really universally accepted for the most part, universally accepted by all scholars that, that it was this man, the Apostle Paul, that wrote this incredible book. We find in, uh, in chapter 16 that he dictated the book and that it was written down uh, by, by a man named Tertius, you know, who says, I, Tertius, who wrote down this letter, greet you. Um, and so it's written by the Apostle Paul. It was written um, from Corinth. And it's written somewhere around 56, 57 A.D. Okay, some say from 53 to 58 Many are able to narrow this letter down to be uh, written around 56 or 57 A.D. All right. Wow. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Okay. All right. Where are we at? All right. I'm going to try to get through uh, seven verses here. Whew. All right. Romans 1, 1 to 7. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. The gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures regarding his son, who as to his human nature was a descendant of David, and who through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the son of God by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. Through him and for his namesake, we received grace and apostleship to call people from among all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith. And you also are among those who are called to belong to Jesus Christ, to all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. Grace and peace to you from God our Father 
and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Wow. I'm convicted already. Forgive me, Lord. I mean, I'm so jazzed up about this book. I just, do you see how I read that? That's how scripture ought always to be read. We all, we, we always, Stephen, ought to be reading the scriptures like that. Golly, that's the word of God. I mean, did you, did, did you, did you feel that? Did you experience the meaning in that, in those first seven verses? Wow. Golly, thank you, Lord Jesus. I mean, again, this is the word of God. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away. We'll get a new heaven and a new earth. It'll all be remodeled, but our Bible will never change. The word of God will never pass away. Verse one, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. Notice he introduces himself, Paul is the author, and the first thing he says is a servant of Christ Jesus, then called to be an apostle. Before we're anything, this is how we ought to, we, we really ought to live our lives, May. You ought to be known as May, a servant of Christ Jesus. You ought to be known as Rap, a servant of Christ Jesus. Pop, a servant of Christ Jesus. Alicia, a servant of Christ Jesus. We ought to be, our lives ought to be modeled as servants of Christ Jesus. He's an apostle, okay? He's been called by Jesus Christ to be an apostle, set apart by Jesus to be an apostle. He wrote, he wrote half the New Testament. Of the 27 books of the New Testament, Paul authored 13 of them. But before he's an apostle, before he's an author of scripture, before he's anything, <clears throat> he's Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus. And I said again, I can repent under that really every day. Father, I do ask you to forgive me. I do. Lord, I do want to be, and we all want to be more and more known first as servants of Christ Jesus. Lord, we ask you to help us. Holy Spirit, we ask you to drive us to more and more be servants of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Lord Jesus, we want to serve you and we thank you for the privilege of serving you. Put your name in there and ask the Lord to help you to be a servant of Christ Jesus. Scott, a servant of Christ Jesus. Lynn's a servant of Christ Jesus. Wow. <clears throat> Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle. So again, you notice how he's a servant first, then an apostle called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God. That's verse one. And set apart for the gospel of God. We we did Bible study on Tuesday and we went through this and uh, I asked the guys, the kingdom discipleship leaders, you know, what are you set apart to? When someone looks at your life, can they see that you're set apart to the gospel? Can they see that you are clearly set apart to the word of God and the son of God, because they should. <clears throat> and very few of us as disciples of Jesus Christ <clears throat> would say that, that yes, people recognize us as set apart. I have a long way to go, but each one of us ought to have a, a desire in this life and look to get, get more and more toward it each day, May, where you could say 
that you were set apart for the gospel of God. For most of us, you know, to look at our lives, you would think that we were set apart, as I've said before, to to watch in television, set apart to play in sports, Scott, set apart to Netflix, um, set apart to Instagram. I mean, to look at our lives, what do you talk about most? Because that's what you're set apart to. <laughs> Again, this is why repentance needs to be a, a daily practice. And it's a joy of repentance. I'm not condemned. You know, I'm not shamed. I'm not, I don't feel guilty, but I do feel convicted that, you know, my days are not as set apart to the gospel of God, to the son of God and to the word of God as they ought to be. But this guy, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart to the gospel of God. Mm. Wow. Verse two, the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. The gospel's now new. If you go from Genesis, the first book of the, of the Bible, to Malachi, the 39th book of the Old Testament, you'll see the gospel prophesied throughout. Right after sin came into the world, right after our first grandparents, Adam and Eve, fell into sin in Genesis 3, the gospel is promised beforehand. The gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Let's go ahead and go to Genesis chapter 3, all right? And we will read, you know, the, the serpent deceives the woman um, and you know, the woman immediately after she's deceived and eats of the fruit leads her husband into sin. And, you know, he's responsible. He himself eats of the fruit. Both of them die spiritually. Uh, they don't immediately die naturally, but both of them die spiritually. Um, the man tries to blame his wife, right? As we've often done as husbands for his problems, right? Um, uh, the Lord confronts the man and woman. The woman says in verse 13, the woman said, the serpent deceived me and I ate. Now look at verse 14 and 15. So the Lord God said to the serpent, now the serpent is the devil, Satan, and he is the one that led Eve into sin. Eve led her husband into sin. So it was the devil who brought sin and contaminated this world. The most, it is the most vile thing that's ever happened in the history of mankind when sin and this book of Romans is really going to open up for us what sin is, but how, how vile it is. And it is the devil that brought sin into this world. Verse 14, so the Lord God said to the serpent, because you have done this, cursed are you above all the livestock and all the wild animals. You will crawl on your belly and you will eat dust all the days of your life. And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers he will crush your head and he, and you will strike his heel. So I want to read that again. So this is, this is verse 15 is a prophecy. The fall has just happened. Sin has just entered the world. And immediately God himself gives the prophecy that Jesus will come. Jesus, this is his word, gives the prophecy that he, God, the son, the son of God will come to, to redeem mankind. This is incredible. So again, we're all the way back in Genesis 3. We're, 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 we're shortly after creation. Uh, man and woman, Adam and Eve, have just fallen into sin. And in verse 15, 
listen to the words. This is a prophecy. This is a prediction of something that will come from God himself. Genesis 3.15, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He, Jesus, will crush your head and you will strike his heel. At the cross, Jesus crushed the head of Satan. He crushed sin. He atoned for the sin of the world, and all you need do is receive him. Okay? You see what he said? And I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and hers. He will crush your head. On the cross, when Jesus died for the sins of the world, he crushed Satan. And it says, and you will strike his heel. And, you know, Jesus was tortured on the cross. And in that way, Satan struck his heel. So do you see this? So you see back in Romans chapter one, where it says in verse two, the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, it's not new. All the way back in Genesis three, as soon as human beings fell into sin, the gospel is immediately promised right there in Genesis 3.15 that Jesus will come. And then throughout Genesis and the rest of the Old Testament, the prophets promised, right? Um, you remember Isaiah standing up and saying the virgin will be with child. Wow. The prophets, the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. You see, they're called the Holy Scriptures. This is what we do. This book of Romans is the Holy Scriptures. It's the living word of God. Jesus in Matthew 4, 4 said that man doesn't live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Our scriptures are holy. They're perfect. They're divine. We, we don't view our Bible rightly. If we viewed our Bible rightly, we'd spend a whole lot more time in it, wouldn't we? Wow. Through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, verse 3, regarding his son, Jesus, who as to his human nature was a descendant of David. Jesus Christ is fully God and fully man and very clearly descended in his human nature from the line of King David. Jesus Christ is an absolute historical figure. Understand that. There is no question, there is no doubt that as sure as George Washington existed, Jesus existed, okay? No one denies the existence of Jesus historically, okay? Jesus Christ is an absolute, certain historical figure. And we have his words in the Gospels, okay? So when it comes to Jesus, we have to deal with facts, the facts are he did exist, and in the gospel, we do have his words. So when you, when you don't believe in Jesus, when you haven't received Jesus, when you deny Jesus, you're, you can't deny that he existed, and you can't deny he spoke these words. So what you're saying is you don't believe him, and that's a tenuous place, just saying. All right. Regarding his son, who as to his human nature was a descendant of David, and who through the spirit of holiness was declared with power to be the Son of God by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. It is the resurrection of the dead that authenticates our, our Christian faith. 
right? It's the resurrection from the dead that proved and declared Jesus to be the son of God, God, the son. Wow. Golly, by his resurrection from the dead, all of Christianity relies on the resurrection. Again, Buddha is still in the grave. Muhammad is still in the grave. Confucius is still in the grave. Jesus Christ is risen. Wow. Wow. Look at verse five. Through him, Jesus, and for his name's sake, we received grace and apostleship to call people from among all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith. Through him, Jesus, and for his name's sake. Everything we do is through Jesus and for Jesus. Do you see that? Through him, Pop, and for his name's sake, we received grace and apostleship. For what purpose? To call people from among all the Gentiles, not only Jews, but everyone who's not a Jew. All 8 billion people in the world are called to what? To the obedience that comes from faith. It's by faith in Jesus Christ. It's by trusting and relying and clinging to Jesus alone for the forgiveness of our sins and the salvation of our soul that we're saved. Okay? And we're going to end here. But that faith ought to manifest itself in an obedient life to Jesus Christ our Lord. We're not saved by any obedience, but we're called to an obedient life based on our faith. Again, the obedience doesn't save us. It doesn't help save us, okay? Through him, Jesus, and for his name, Jesus, we received grace and apostleship to call people from among all the Gentiles to the obedience that comes from faith. Your faith in Jesus Christ, your genuine trust and reliance on him alone for the forgiveness of your sins, the salvation of your soul, to go and spend eternity in heaven and to be delivered from hell ought to manifest itself in this life in increasing faith. Does it? Does your faith in Jesus Christ manifest itself in increasing obedience? Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy. We thank you for your favor. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for this incredible Bible book of Romans. Holy Spirit, we ask you to lead us and guide us now as we go forth. We ask you to seal this message to our hearts. We ask you to drive us to faith in Jesus Christ and drive us to an obedient lifestyle that comes from our faith in Jesus Christ, our Lord. We thank you for this book, Holy Spirit. We commit it into your hands now in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.